0: Yes, we are. Flesh and blood. We're here to bring you Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. With new paradigms for a new world, we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. I'm Richard Dugan, of course, as I said, and uh, we come your way uh, Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. Wednesdays at 9 a.m. with our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We're streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. Podcasts, they're on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry. We're on YouTube where you can uh, watch these interviews. We also ask you to participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision. We'll tell you more about that as we move along in our program. And we hope that you can support us financially. We have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. Now, why did I go through that so quickly? Well, I'm watching the clock here and I wanted to get through in about 60 seconds and I did it. So with that being said, here we are. We're going to be talking today about something extraordinary. Is it new? No, 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 no. It's nothing new, but it's still extraordinary. And I'll explain it this way. Many of you who spend time on your computer or even on your phone sometimes, uh, if you do any kind of recording in a a sound uh, recording software, you can watch the wave, your voice or the voices or the sounds being created from that center line to the left. And you see those waves up and down, up and down. But on the right-hand side of that, there's nothing. The analogy is this. The left side is the past. It's gone. It's over. It's, it's done. The right side, that's the future. Hasn't happened yet. But what we're going to focus on is neither of those two. We're going to focus on the center line where it hasn't happened and it's not yet happened. It's called the now. And we're going to talk about that with our very special guest. He's going to help us uh, to find the signs to your ultimate desires in no time. He is the nowist. And his name is Billy Mandarino. And Billy, it is really a pleasure to have you here on the program. Thank you for joining us.
1: Richard, wow, that was the coolest intro I've ever had on these podcasts. That was so profound and succinct and a great visual. And what a perfect teaching to start our show today.
0: Well, you know, I I discovered that. Didn't create it. uh, You know, I didn't invent it. But I discovered that in the metaphor, uh, metaphoric form, many years ago, and sometimes it helps me to remind myself about what is important. I can't do anything about the past, and I can list all kinds of stuff that's ha- that have that has happened in the past, and then, of course, get all emotional about it, depending upon what it is. Get excited, get sad, and so on and so forth. I could speculate about what I'd like to see in the future, my heart's desire and so on and so forth. Again, I could get all emotional uh, either way. Uh, and, and, and both of those are they're all all right. But what I have found so interesting is when we talk about the now, this very instant as we speak. And it's really funny because every time I can hear your voice or my voice, that's already the past. Our brains, even though it's, it's milliseconds, or micromilliseconds, I don't know what the the timing is, what the delay is, it's already happened. And that's what's so, so wild about all of this. How did you become the nowist?
1: Great question. I get that one a lot. And the answer always comes through me differently. So I'll set you up with that. But for me, most of us, you know, live in our past and future. You know, we, they say that, you know, if you, live in your past, your your future will become your past. And most people live in that space, that, that triggered space of trauma, of positive things. You know, the language of emotion is in your body. You know, like you were just describing how, you know, the emotions you have, and, and they're in your body. And th- the body tends to pull this back in time, back in this illusion, as Einstein called it, this illusion of time of the past and the future. And these emotions, you'll get triggered and you'll have these emotions. But the reality is I learned through my trauma and through my past and through had some near-death experience. I was paralyzed. I've had, you know, I came from a divorced family, lots of trauma as a child. So much in this earth school, as Gary Zukoff calls it in his wonderful book, uh, the earth school has taught me so much about time and about how it truly is illusion. I've proved it to myself that whenever I use my energy and put it in the past or worry about the future, it seems like I have no control. And I'm, I'm this, I'm in this, I'm more of this wave of stress and trauma and drama. And I just, I, I realized once through one of these traumatic experiences, too long of a story to tell, but it was ultimately out of the trauma and the worry and the overwhelm that pushed me that it kind of like forced me into the present moment. The awareness that the present moment is the only place I have to correct and manifest my life in a different energy field, not so much drug into the gravity of the past and the future. When I learned that, Richard, it was just like a bucket of cold water was thrown over me, and I became obsessed with the present moment. I mean, books were starting to find me, literally find me. Mm. I wasn't finding these books. They were just showing up synchronistically in my life. The first one, of course, was the Bible when I was a little kid, and then other books teaching about presence and the power of the present moment and all these wonderful quotes. And then Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of the Now, found me. And when that hit me, I just, oh, my gosh, this is there's something that's calling me to a big, bigger purpose. It's, and, and, and in Hindu traditions, they call it your dharma. My purpose. My purpose is to learn about this now. And so my book, The Nowist, is about the spiritual memoir about how I found the present moment to be the most powerful part of my life. And I've I've got a meditation around. I've got teachings and principles and practices. And it's not a religion. It's, it's not like some crazy religion. It's literally a practice, a way of life to consistently get yourself in the present moment throughout your physical time, throughout your physical day. 90% of my day, I live in present moment awareness as a nowist. Ten percent, it hits the fan. I get you know distracted, but I come back so quickly because it feels so uncomfortable to be out of the present moment that it becomes a habit. My subconscious mind is just conditioned to live in this present moment awareness. So I've been all over the world teaching. I've had live events. I do online coaching. I do in-person coaching. Of course, there's the book The Nowist. It's on Audible. I can read it to you if you go to the Audible or you go to Billymandarino.com, you can learn about all of it. We're all over social media. Mm. So it's been this mission of my Richard just to help people get out of this illusion of time, stress, overwhelm, it's taking over the planet post-pandemic. It's at all-time highs on this planet. The negative energy field of this planet is at an all-time high. Well, it's my job to teach people that this past future energy is false. It's an illusion don't live in it, find your power, which the present moment, once you learn to live there skillfully, you'll find that you can live in that 90-10 ratio too. Then emotionally, socially, spiritually, financially, everything in your life starts to shift and you become this greater person you ever imagined
0: yourself to be. Yeah. You know, another element uh, to what you're describing, uh, we talk about giving people choices and knowledge of those choices to help make their dreams come true. And as you stated uh, quite well, one of the things that we tend to do pretty regularly as a species is uh, we, we make choices. And where we are right now is based upon all of the choices that we have made in the past. If you want to dive into the past and take a look at the choices you've made, it will be very clear as to how you find yourself where you are. And then, of course, they say uh, to carry that to the next level, that where you will be in the future is going to be based upon all of the choices that you make now. Well, one of my guests threw this wonderful addendum, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It goes to the concept of, is your glass half full or half empty? And he said, that all is true and... All of the choices that you make now are based upon your perception of what you think your future will be if you're an optimist or a pessimist. Now, no judgment on anybody in either of those phases, but to me, a pessimist, because I don't see optimism in prepping, okay? Digging a hole in the ground, storing up whatever, your, your nuts and your acorns, <laughs> 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 and and getting ready for the apocalypse, or the the zombie apocalypse, or nuclear Armageddon, or you know what whatever other thing you want to throw out there for the future, as opposed to myself, when I look to the future, I don't really see anything in particular. My perspective is uh, where I'm at right now. I'm an optimist and. Uh, I, it's kind of like I learned this when I was working for the Christian radio station. If you're looking for the devil under every rock, guess what? You're going to find him. And if you're looking for God under every rock or good, you're going to find it. And I'm looking for the good. I trust people, even those people who may have taken advantage of me down the road. But I look at it differently. They didn't take advantage of me. I chose to connect with them. It's like, over the years, I don't know about you, Billy. I, I, I've, I can't stand playing the victim. It's not somebody else's fault. And it's not even my fault. I made choices. Talk to us a little bit about that as to how we can keep our bodies, minds, hearts, and souls, if you will, here right now in this moment i like to
1: call it the art of surrender when you can learn to surrender to what is and not feel like the victim not put your energy field mostly your emotional energy and your thoughts focused on what you don't want because there's this crazy thing called the law of attraction sky's blue water's wet right we're here on this physical earth and gravity's holding us here to our chairs currently and there's these universal laws. So, the law of attraction is also a universal law. Mm-hmm. Whatever you focus on expands. Where your energy goes, right? Your focus goes to that spot, it's going to expand. It's going to get bigger. It's going to be a bigger player in your life. So, most people have this habit. And I love William Wordsworth. He's one of my favorite poets. He says, Not choice, but habit rules the unreflecting herd. Mm-hmm. We're all ruled by our habits. So, what are our habits? Most people are not aware of their habits. They have habits, I think, that serve them, but they realize that they're unhappy, they're overweight, they're broke, they're in tough relationships, they're not a good parent, and they're just not fulfilled because they have these terrible habits. And it's like Groundhog's Day, which is actually today, isn't Today, Groundhog's Day? Yeah, the day we are uh,
0: conversing. Yes, it is Groundhog's Day. It is like Groundhog's Day, isn't it? How
1: do you like that segue? It's like Groundhog's Day. So every day is the same thing over and over again, because you never scratch the record. You never interrupt your pattern. Like Wordsworth says, you don't have a new habit. You stick to these same old habits that don't serve you. So you become this attracting force. We are all these energy fields. We attract whatever we focus on. I have just learned through living in present moment awareness that when I can use one of the greatest gifts we've ever been given, Richard, is our wonderful human imagination you have the ability to put your attention on what it is you want to manifest. And the beautiful Abraham Maslow says, you know, a self-actualizing person, they called him the father of self-actualization, would never place their attention on what they do not want to manifest. And he further says, you know, when you become independent of the good opinion of other people and detached from outcome, you've become self-actualized. So it's almost like a quantum phase transition thing where you can take your energy back by focusing on what it is you want with your wonderful human imagination. In that imagination, you're to use all five of your senses. You know, you're know, you going to hear, smell, smell, taste, touch. You're going to feel what it feels like for this thing you want to manifest, or this event you want to manifest in your life. The law of attraction is going to activate, and boom, you're going to start drawing things to you. It's called synchronicity. These wonderful events are going to happen. These spiritual breadcrumbs are going to show up in your life and lead you towards this focused imagination that you have. The law of attraction Coupled with your wonderful human imagination can change your whole life. And that's part of what I teach in the Nahuas teachings. It's all about using your imagination with your focused energy, the energy field of your body. We all come from energy. We're not particle. When you get down to the atomic level, we're energy. There's no particle. They call it the God particle, I guess, in there. It's this energy field. You can take that energy and manifest whatever it is you want. You are not limited. And that's the big lie that the world, the media, your past past values conditioning it teaches you that oh well you got to do this save for a rainy day you know save your acorns right put your nuts you know (laughs) step over dollars to pick up dimes that is not an abundant person a mind focused on scarcity will never attract abundance so that's where your imagination comes in the power of your present moment awareness you can change your life it's not as hard as people might think
0: well i will tell you ladies and gentlemen that um one of the things that I love about this program is doing this program. Billy, I have, I have as you probably do, have uh, some of your favorite uh, top two, two, three, four, five artists uh, that you love listening to, as do I. I've mentioned mine many times on this program. And um, they have this, this calling, this feeling, this purpose to be on stage sharing through their music themselves. And I love singing, but it's like I'm, I'm trying to tap into that. And I, it's like it, that's not where I'm at. My calling where I share parts of myself is here in these interviews. And I'm, I'm starting to make peace with that because I would love to be sharing uh, you know, and I've written uh, two songs. One in particular that folks uh, will hear at the end of one, uh, some of these programs uh, that I wrote. It took me, I think, about six months to write. I had a facilitator. This
1: to you, yes.
0: Yeah, had a facilitator, and uh, and I got to tell you, it was it was fun. It was uh, such a blast, um, uh, especially when I took that song. And then my facilitator, she brought in two or three musicians. We laid down the music tracks. And then I, on my own, I added my voice to it and then did some wonderful things uh, in the post-production. And there were people, I've actually performed it live in front of a group of people um, that I was invited to participate in. And I got some wonderful comments specifically from the men because it was tied into that. I am a good man doing the best I can. I'm a good man is the title of the song. Really? So a lot of the guys came up to me and they said, thanks. I have been wanting to feel that, you know, say that, you know, spite you know, and, and we as men, you and I both know that we're always they say we're the fixers, you know, we're, oh, yeah. we're always trying to fix stuff. Yeah. And I've been told, you know, you need to stop doing you've you've done more than enough. It's not that you you're going to stop helping people, stop fixing. But you need to stop. You need to stop. The the perspective, if you will, or the attitude of I got to do more, I got to do more, I got to do more. No, 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 no. And it takes me back to this aspect of perfection. Mm. Now, that's an area where it I think if you think about the concept of perfection as we know it in our society that takes you out of the now because you're then comparing yourself to some some ideal some model somewhere somehow but I love the biblical definition as I have discovered it where it says in the New Testament be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect so I began trying to define father in heaven okay uh, is he always doing the right thing or is he uh, doing the wrong thing? No, it has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with light or dark, right or wrong, good or bad. And then in the Old Testament it talks about, uh, and I think it's I think it's in Psalms where it's referenced, I am that I am, the in the yeah. now, right now, I am that I am. That's and God's I put name, those yes. two together. That is perfection. Just mm. to be. Do you share that concept in, in uh, other ways with folks? There's nothing that you need to, let alone that you can do to be perfect other than just being. A
1: man, brother, can I get an amen on a Thursday? Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, that was beautiful, brother. I love that. Yes. Okay. couple things. So Mark Twain, of course, I love quotes. Oh, I read a yeah. lot. So I love quotes. Mark T- Mark Twain said, comparison is the death of joy. Yes. And there you go in a nutshell, right? I mean, comparison is the death of joy. You writing your song. I love that. I'm a musician as well. I was on, you know, my bandmate, we, Kirsten, we have a band called In the Present Tense. So we had a record come out a couple of years ago. And I totally feel you musicians, people that write songs, people that share their heart. It's been called the universal right language music. And it truly is because it hit those gentlemen that heard your song in the heart. Because when you can perform music from the heart, it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. But when you can be authentic and you can connect to an emotion and put it in that universal language, you hit people's hearts. I have a wonderful vocal coach named Roger Love. And he told me, like, when, I was, when he was teaching me about diaphragmatic singing and all these energy and projections of sound coming from your body, he says, you know, you think that you're performing this music to people, but you're actually physically, the waveforms coming out of your body is moving people's body. Yeah. You're physically moving them, but when you can get in the right frequency, you tune to their energy field, and then they feel an emotion they cry. Last night, you know, my wife and I and daughter were watching Harry Styles on his... My daughter is obsessed with Harry Styles. I've seen him twice. <laughs> and this kid, he's just turned 29 yesterday. And we were watching him on TV on this, you know, YouTube broadcast or whatever. My daughter is so obsessed. And she loves music too, thank God. And it's just that to see this kid, kid, he's 29, mm-hmm. but... Twenty thousand people in the audience, and he's been doing like it's like two hundred shows. Last night was the last night of his North American tour, just to see how the joy. And he's done two hundred shows, and I don't know, a year, year and a half. He did not lose, and we saw him like a year ago. He never lost the wane. He never waned in his energy or his inspiration about the music because he knows he's connecting these people. They're crying. They're close ups on him. It's like Elvis, you know. Like it was this phenomena. But when people can learn to tune their energy, and when you can do it in music or in poetry song is this energy field that you can connect to that. I mean, I don't know if you know that A440 is the current tune. I mean, being a guitarist and a Mm singer-songwriter, we tune our instruments to A440. But I've been studying on this 528 megahertz, which is where the correct tuning is actually for our instruments. Mm -hmm. That is the frequency of God. That is the frequency of God's name. It's in nature. The I am that I am tunes to 528 megahertz. But Back in the day, there was this uh, this German, uh, I don't know what year it was, but I've studied it a little bit. I forget the year, but they took that 528 tuning and changed it to A440. So the frequency and the resonant that was tuning to the human heart, which is 528 megahertz. I know I'm getting a little woo-woo crazy on you, but to <laughs> me, it's so fascinating because they tried to dumb down the universal vibration of love, which is 528. It vibrates at 528 hertz. Wow. And when you can vibrate at that, you affect people. So John Lennon's song, Imagine, that was written and recorded in 528 hertz. It was not written in A440. He knew this. And that song has changed the world and and so many people, millions, billions of people's lives. So we think about that and how we tune to people, how we tune to our energy. But our words have that same resonance. The words you say. In my book and in my live events, I, I talk about Dr. Emoto wrote this book, The Hidden Water, The Hidden Messages in Water, and The Hidden Meanings in Water, and how when you can tune the words you say, the feelings you have, especially in music, you can change the frequency and the physical molecular structure of water. And he took these jars, Dr. Richard, and he wrote, you know, his name, he wrote names on them. He wrote like words like, I hate you, I'm going to kill you. And then he wrote benevolent words like, I love you, prayer, oneness, peace, and he froze these jars. And when he took them out after freezing them and he put them under a microscope, the molecular structure of water, I'm going to kill you, is all jagged and asymmetrical and hate and, you know, death. We're all weird and asymmetrical shapes. Then the crystals that said, I love you, peace, joy, compassion, they look like snowflakes, Hmm. perfect geometrical shapes like the flower of life. And so that proved to him that words have an energy, have a frequency. Mm-hmm. imagine how when you tune that up with music how that changes yeah. the world yeah. so we are at 70 percent water the earth is 70 percent water you think about how you can change your frequency starting if you're not a musician like like you and i am are inspired to write music but when you speak to people more importantly when you speak thoughts to yourself make sure you always speak kindly and sing those beautiful
0: notes yeah Billy Mandarino is my guest. He's the Nowist, and this is Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it is really a pleasure to uh, to talk to uh, Billy and to discuss this concept, uh, and it is more than just a concept, but uh, uh, you can make it your reality if you if you want to. You don't have to. Nobody's forcing anything on anybody. That's always been a, a, a sort of an interesting perspective of mine where, <laughs> especially working at the Christian station. I was there for 15 years during the height of televangelism back in the wow. 80s and early 90s. And uh, they always loved to use the phrase personal relationship with God or Jesus. Or, you know. And then I had local ministers and pastors uh, who I'd been around for a number of years who then began to tell me, oh Richard, I don't believe you're, uh, you're, you're saved. I don't think you're ready to meet God. And it's like, wait a minute, uh, but you just said it was a personal relation. How is it that it's a three-way here? No, 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 no. <laughs> God knows where I am, and I refer to it as the universal power of the force, whatever you want to call it. God knows where I am, can call me collect, I will accept the charges, okay? Right now. Right now. Uh, I even had some people come in, uh, and I was born legally blind. And uh, they wanted to uh, come in and lay hands on me to uh, restore my sight. I refused. Now, that sounds awfully strange. You think, oh, hey, let's do this. Except for one problem. Restore my sight to what? If we go back to when I was an infant, uh, it would be worse because I had a bunch of surgeries as a kid growing up. And uh, I was seeing better then than I, I was uh, as an infant. Since then, I've had a lens implant and now I'm driving, believe it or not. But I said, I can't stop you from praying for me, and I appreciate that. But my purpose in life is not to have my vision restored. My purpose in life is to serve you. How can I serve you? What is it that you need me to do with your program and the materials you brought me, the albums and the cassettes and whatever it is, uh, in that respect? Uh, And and I even took my first wife, who was totally blind, to one of these uh, tent revivals, a matter of fact, I still remember the minister's name. It was R.W. Shambach. Oh, what a guy. Oh, it was amazing. Uh, and, and and he did the laying on of hands with oil and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Now, mm-hmm. as far as I know, and I haven't talked with her in a long time, as far as I know, she's still blind. She lost her sight due to the fact that back when she was born, uh, they had difficulty regulating these incubators because she was a preemie. And if you got too much oxygen, it burned the, the eye. And if you didn't get enough, uh, then it had an effect on the brain. Well, she had the former as opposed to the latter. Uh, But she she was still doing the stuff that she was a medical transcriptionist for a while. And then she was a massage therapist. Um, And, of course, uh, at one point we went our separate ways. But my, my, my point in bringing those things up is that whatever it is that we choose to do in the now, it's our choice. And that, first of all we don't need to justify anything to anyone, let alone ourselves uh, and nor do we as you said and quoted Mark Twain, nor do we want to compare ourselves because uh, they're, two, two, they're not diametrically opposed. They go hand in hand. One is we are all alike because we are humans. We have and we all experience the same emotions at different intensities. Absolutely. But what makes us unique is the stories behind the emotions. What makes you cry doesn't necessarily make me cry. I will be empathetic, but, and what makes me cry, I don't know, if you were to watch uh, Little House on the Prairie these days, you think that would bring a tear to your eye? Because it does me.
1: Me too. I was raised on Little House on the Prairie. (laughs) Paul, I call my dad Paul because of, you know, Michael Landon, because oh, they call really? me Paul. I call my all I have six brothers and sisters. We call my dad Paul because we were so touched and we felt so such a kindred spirit for Michael Landon, and my dad and my dad. God bless him. He is just like Paul. He says, this kind, oh. honest, hard just loving arms father. And we call him Paul because of that show.
0: Yeah. Well, my dad, who is 92 this year, uh actually yeah 92 in august uh and he's still he's still moving along but my mother has to take care of him a little bit because he's got some mobility issues and so forth um i have started to work on a song for him and in Mm. that song the chorus basically uh i refer to him as daddy uh because that's how i that's what i've heard referred to as when i was a child now it's just hey dad I never got into the habit of calling him father. That just didn't. uh, Maybe it's my Catholic upbringing because he wasn't a priest, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. Um, But I'm working on one of these songs, primarily an ode to my father, because my father shared with me some years ago uh, and kind of repeats it occasionally that he does not feel as though He really had that much of an influence on our upbringing because he was always away. Now, he worked a nine to five in the city where we lived. And he always came home because my mother would go pick him up. He had vision problems, too, so he didn't drive. And he always came home smelling of a print shop because that's where he worked. And it's like, how can you? I remember calling him not long ago. Uh, And I said, Dad, you know, you you shared this 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 thought of yours with me. And I just want you to know, seriously, first of all, I love you very much. And I would not be half the man I am if it weren't for you. Mm -hmm. When and again, I'm I'm guessing that my dad is comparing himself. Or even even for that matter, judging himself because he doesn't think and it's like wow raised six kids and you don't think you had an inf you brought us into this world buddy <laughs> hey, that's
1: right i i love the big family i say you know family like that like ours is like love love is family you know the, the family bunch you know love is family in a bunch you know that's the feeling of love for me it's like that all that connection to the brothers and sisters three brothers, two uh, two boys and four girls i mean what was your makeup
0: Mine was exactly the same, two older sisters, two younger sisters, and a younger brother. And to my brother's um, credit, I'm 62, will be 63 this year. My brother is younger than me, worked for Disney for quite a number of years, has already retired. (laughs) (laughs) He's traveling in Asia right now, as a matter of fact, Uh, Southeast Asia. He loves that part of the world. Good on him. Yeah, I'm proud of him. I'm proud of the fact that he even took my parents to China one year. Now, I have never been envious of my brother, um, you know, because we we have different paths. I'm not I'm not I mean, I was a little frustrated. We had a conversation not long ago and we got into politics and so forth. And he is of a different uh, f- a philosophical uh, perspective. And he has a right to that. Uh, I was frustrated over the fact that uh, it was as if he wasn't able to see my perspective but again that's okay you know he's where he's at but I as I said to my father we had a little altercation my dad and I not long ago and um, he came to me the night I was staying with them for my sister's memorial and uh, he, um, he, he, he had blown up at me because um, I made a joke about my brother not being there uh, we, we had traveled across town And my brother didn't come back with us. He went over with us, but didn't come back. My dad wanted to know where he was. And I jokingly said, oh, dad, I'm so sorry. Uh, We had to sell him to put gas in the truck. He did not get, hey, when I ask a question, I want an answer. I mean, he was, he was really mad. But he came to me that night as I'm making up the couch. And he came up to me and he apologized. He said, I didn't mean it. And I put my hands on his shoulders. And I said, Dad, first of all, I love you very much, and you will always be my father. And we're good. Amen. Um, and he was coming from a different perspective. He wasn't. He didn't want to joke around about one of his children. He just lost his eldest daughter. Oh, yeah. And uh, he even made that that classic statement uh, the, the morning of the memorial. He says. Parents aren't supposed to bury their children. Mm, that's the hardest There thing, was yeah. nothing I could say to that. Absolutely yeah. no response. And I didn't. I didn't respond. Right. But I try to let him know. And this this is, to me, part of the the, the the being in the now, is being, I guess, what, almost empathic as well as empathetic to someone else and where they're at so that you can sort of shift your energy a little bit to be there in the now for them.
1: Here's the crazy part, Richard, is let's call, they call it holding space. Have you heard that before? Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. Holding space, empathy for people. You have to hold space and you think, wait a minute, space, space and time are this quantum realm, right? Where there's space and time. And if now is infinite, because the symbol of my book is called the now a symbol. Basically you've got, you know, a, a linear, line timeline which is past and future then you have a vertical line where those two meet mm-hmm. that intersection is called the now and it's out of time so when you take your attention from your past and your future and you put it in this present moment you enter that vertical that that horizontal timeline and when those meet that's the present moment so when you hold space for somebody you're literally taking yourself and them collectively out of that time even though you're holding space you're in this present moment kind of vacuum, if you will, this quantum moment where you are connecting in empathy and compassion, it's that space. If more people could learn to pause and to get out of their thinking and out of the past and the future, and of course, in that moment, you know, you said, hey, you know, hands on the shoulder, dad, we're good. Like that in that moment, Mm -hmm. that was like the phase transition, if you will, where instantly you collapse time into, if you wanna call it the God particle, yeah. into just, yeah. you took time and this particles and you collapse them into an energy field or a wave. And that is holding space for people. And that's when you start to show true compassion and empathy and you get out of the mind made in the past and the future. And in that moment, that's the now. So yeah. it's that crossification, which you can do at any time. Like you did this morning when you were coming down the mountain, you were telling <laughs> you know, how you were stressed out earlier yeah. before we came on air about, you know, this person that was slow in front of you, and you instantly, even though this person, you don't even know them, and they're ahead of you, and they're taking their time to get down on your commute to the radio station, but you collapsed time. You held space for this individual you didn't even know, but look at the benefit you gave, and you probably gave the other person a benefit. They just didn't know it, because ultimately, we are all one, Mm -hmm. and what is N-O-W spelled backwards, Richard? One. When you're in the now, you've won. You've won your you presence won. back mm-hmm. and then you're paying it forward by being in that present moment awareness and holding space. That's the key.
0: And it's a winning for everybody, if you will, a, a you know, to to win, you know, a win, win, win kind of thing. Uh, but the, to have won is is uh, is pretty spectacular. And it's it, it is non ego. Uh, it's not selfish. It's selfless. Uh, one of the beautiful things I love, uh, uh, one of the passages uh, from the New Testament speaks to come to me as little children, not childish, childlike. And kids are in the now. I mean, you've seen this, I'm sure. You see the yeah. playground and all of a sudden one of these little kids running along and he trips and he falls and he scrapes his knee. Wah, wah, wah. And then all of a sudden shifts and oh, gets up and plays some more. You know, gets it out, gets it out, releases that energy of the pain, and that sound, that crying helps to release that pain, and then moves on into the next moment of the now. That oh my god,
1: you hit you hit Richard, one of my favorite nerves, if you will, in human existence, and yes. that's living. It's one of the chapters of my book. Living in childlike bewilderment. I love Rumi. You familiar with Rumi? The poetry yes. of Rumi. Oh yes. Because sell your cleverness and purchase bewilderment. When you can live in that childlike, you know, bewilderment that the Bible is talking about, that Jesus is talking about, little children are always in the present moment. They they don't ever think about what people, the comparison mentality we talked about. They don't care what time it is. They're literally Batman, Wonder Woman. They're in the sandbox. (laughs) They are in their imaginations, which is the, once again, the power they have, they harness it regularly. They don't care about what's going on or what people think. They're living in that present moment awareness. So I look at little children as some of our greatest teachers. Because they are constantly role modeling what it is to be a nowist. And look at hummingbirds and nature. I call them nature's nowists. Because <laughs> hummingbirds are the fastest hummingbird wings be 86 flaps per second, right? And they look like they're perfectly still, they're in the present moment, they're doing what they're doing. However, they're busy as can be, right? They're busy right. as bees practically because right. wings are flapping so fast, but they are nature's nowists. So I learned from the, the playing, the, the levity of a, of a hummingbird and the, the childlike bewilderment of little children. Those are some of your greatest teachers. So pay attention to both of them. Yeah.
0: You know, we talked uh, at the front end of the program about the past and the future. And yes, the past has its place. Uh, you know, someone said, well, yeah, it belongs in the past. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, but it also can teach us lessons that we can bring to the now and also to the future. We look at the future as I mentioned earlier about, okay, well, what is my vision of the future? Or maybe more appropriately and more um, expansive and a little more esoteric is, what, what is my, uh, is my glass? I, I joke about this. My glass is half full or half empty. I just want to know what it's full of or half empty. You know <laughs> what what's in there? You know, for me, it might be uh, a little Guinness or Irish cream kind of thing, but. Um, that's when you're looking at the future, what is your perspective? Are you are you optimistic about the future? Not what do you see flying cars and, you know, we're all going to live on the moon and stuff. No, no, no. Talking about are you prepared for an expansive, joyous, blissful experience, not devoid of, of, of the other emotions and the other experiences, but... That. Is going to sort of feed your soul or are you pessimistic and it's it's all going to hell in a handbasket and there's nothing we can do about it and we might as well just we might as well just blow ourselves up because that's what we're doing slowly. It's a slow, slow suicide kind of thing. And it's like I look at it this way. Uh, If today is my day to leave this earth and I don't believe that I'm uh, uh, mortal, I am immortal. Not the physical body, mind you, that which animates it. But if today is my day to leave this body, I'm good with that. Is there more I want to do? Like you, Billy, I'm sure. There's so much more I want to do. But I can't control the expiration date on my birth certificate, as Stephen Wright says. (laughs) Um, But I'm good with that. Just like my sister, when I had this conversation with her before her passing, I asked her, are are you ready? Are you ready? She said yes and no. And I went, Jeanette. She says, I know, because I didn't she didn't want to leave her husband behind to deal with all of this stuff. But she said for myself, she says, yes, I'm ready. I'm not afraid. I am ready. I am prepared. And it's like if we could reach that space where we are prepared at any moment then I think, would I be wrong in assessing that maybe we might make different choices? And again, I'm not being the pessimist. I'm actually being the optimist, saying, Arr. hey, take a chance. What have you got to lose? I, I, uh, and I've shared this on the program before. I f- filed bankruptcy twice in the last 30 years. In the last 10 years, things have gone the way they've gone. And I thought, okay, here comes number three. I thought, no, uh-uh. That's insanity. Thank you, Einstein, for that definition. I appreciate it. Really do. I did something different. And within less than a year and a half, things have turned around because I made a different choice. Do you think that grasping a hold of and becoming comfortable with or at least accepting, you know, uh, what was it you said earlier um, uh, about surrendering?
1: Yes, the the art of surrendering. Yeah,
0: there's nothing I can do about that. So if I surrender to it and then focus my attentions on right here, right now, with you, you know. Okay, uh, it's going to be at 3.14 p.m. this afternoon. Okay, I'll be leaving. But we're here right now. i got to stay focused here. I can't think about 3.14 p.m. this afternoon when I'm leaving, when my ticket gets punched.
1: There's no energy there, is there? It's None. completely dead. There's no energy, and you have no power to change. I mean, you said something earlier, Richard, about the the probably the most powerful words ever spoken in the human language. I would say are "I am that I am," which, if you remember, in Exodus, that's the name of God that God gave Moses at the burning bush, and when Moses is, you know, hears, hears this voice and. And God says, Moses, and, and Moses says, here I am, Lord, right? There it is. It was a precursor. It was a prequel to the big main event, which is the I am that I am. That will be my name for all generations. I will go by no other name. That's God's name. Yeah. It's only said one place in the Bible where God says is his name. Yeah. Jesus quotes it many times. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, and There's so many connections to the I am. How do you use your I am's? You can have bankruptcy. You can have divorce. You can have people that die. I am is the most powerful two words that you have in your English language. How do you use them? Yeah. I am poor. I am weak. I am broke. I am bankrupt. I am, you know, physically not where I I want to be. I'm in a bad job. I'm in a bad relationship. You're basically blaspheming more than if you said, God damn it. (laughs) You use your I ams. They have the power of the universe, the power of infinity. I am perfect health. I mean, I, I went through paralysis. I went through near-death experiences. I constantly said, I am perfect health. I am getting better. I am powerful. I am one with God. I am all together. God and God is all together me. Yeah. These type of powers, that's how you take yourself out of bankruptcy, out of stress, out of overwhelm, out of anxiety. You have to use the and harness the power of God's name because God said, I am that I am. I am that I am. He's pointing to that, yeah. meaning everything yeah. is God. Yeah. And part of the prayer that I've created, it's called the Nowist Meditation. One of the prayers is, I am that I am, the conquering presence in the now. You use the power of the I am presence. And the I am is just its so underplayed that people say it without even knowing what they're saying. But when you use your wonderful imagination, yeah. focused in the present moment with your I am presence, that's when the miracles happen. Yeah. That's probably how you shift yourself out of bankruptcy or even the thought of it, because you put your attention with your present moment awareness, focus with your imagination on yourself being out of there. Yeah, That's when you get out of this linear timeline. You get to the present moment, which is where those two cross in your I am presence. That's the power to change lives. That's you know the that, power to change others' lives. Yeah,
0: that passage that you just quoted uh, gave me pause to think that Jesus said, Now, granted, this is the way it's phrased in most of the English translations. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. But maybe there's a word missing. I am is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. You know, that's what what struck me when you said that. I'm going, whoa, okay. We're not supposed—and then, of course, there's a sidebar— If I was truly going to be a follower of this philosophy, I would not be a Christian. I would be a Jew because Jesus was a Jew. He didn't convert. I don't think, you know, he was a Jew. So I should be a Jew. I should be Jewish. And I have to tell you that I have an interview coming up with a rabbi. I can hardly wait. I love those conversations with those gentlemen and gentlewomen. Uh, it's so <laughs> spectacular. I get so excited because of stuff I'm going to learn. I have learned so much in those conversations, as I have learned here with you, Billy Mandarino, uh, who is the Nowist here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and this is uh, quite an exciting thing. I want to dive into one other area now. I touch upon it when I encourage people to participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s. Now, we of course started out the first year, 2020, with the year of perfect vision, and we encourage people to, and this is where I want to go next, I want to go within. We encourage them to go within, to that quiet, still, calm, peaceful place, and listen to the still small voice. Ah, it doesn't stop there. And follow the promptings. Talk to us about our intuition, our still small voice, and being a nowist.
1: Oh my gosh, that is so well said. And thank you, brother. I love that we are having this conversation in presence with the energy of the I am presence because it's 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 just pulsating I feel it through our connection here so thank you for that Mm -hmm. so I believe that when I'm on my knees here's my bed praying to God every night in the morning I have my rituals and my prayers and prayer and meditation to me are the same thing Mm -hmm. and when I use the power of my present moment awareness and the wonderful human imagination I have I have this ritual I call it G-U-T trusting your gut right your gut but gut stands for it's an acronym get up there get up there g-u-t trusting your gut so when i'm on my knees praying to god right i'm saying this prayer out to god but my intuition of in my gut is god answering that prayer synchronicities will show up my into my gut will tell me oh no do this do that this is god answering my prayer or anyone's prayer for that matter you have to be aware you have to tune to that frequency that is god That is god's The chill bumps, the the inspiration, the feelings of warmth, the Holy Spirit, whatever this overcomes you to help you make that choice based in your prayer. I think some people wait for some miraculous thing to happen and God to do it for them. But God is giving you the inspiration, and the energy to choose that. So I call it getting up there. So what I do is I imagine myself hovering. Richard, imagine if you would right now, if we were three miles above the earth and you're up there in the massive you know, space that is this gorgeous blue marble that we live on. You Mm -hmm. see this blue line arching, and you see the stars like these pinholes on the curtain of night, and you're up there. Could you feel the gravity of your problems? Could you feel the worry, the stress, the overwhelm of the world? If you are up there, truly up there in your imagination, Mm -hmm. and you're feeling this, the presence of this hum of the earth, you would be in such awe that you'd be out of the physical gravity of your problems, of the physical gravity of your thoughts, and all these things that keep us in this this linear time, this past future time. If you're up there, if you're trusting your gut and you're up there and you're connecting, you're tethering that moment when you're up there in that imaginative state of being above the planet, but you're tethered to this person on the ground and... Feeling this physical intuition or this gut reaction because there's 40,000 more neurons in your gut than in your brain. Mm. That is a scientific fact. And that is because God, I know, in this beautiful apparatus He's created in His image, He knows that there is this technology through this. And you trust your gut with your intuition. And that is God answering your prayers. So when I'm thinking about what's the next thing, I don't think, I think with my gut, not my head, because I realize that's the intuitive spark that's in me the divine spark of God that is the I am that I am that resides in me and I in him and so when I live that way that's when my timing is good that's when I don't have stress and overwhelm because my gut I'm always up I'm living up there consistently because the nowest meditation I've created it's a one minute meditation you can do what's called convergent with your eyes open or divergent with your eyes closed You can imagine yourself. I don't know about you, but I can, with my eyes open, I can see myself right now hovering above the planet. I can feel the the weightlessness of space and I can be in awe of that blue line, that arch around the earth. But while I'm up there, I'm tethered to what is the experience I'm going through? What's the decision I have to make? And in stillness and in peace, and if people want to kind of learn more about that, if you go to BillyMandarino.com, I've got 500 plus videos on YouTube where I teach all kinds of nowist concepts for free. Mm. We did a one minute in the now series for two years. There's a bunch of one minute videos. If you don't have time, just scroll through those. But I want to teach people this is my dharma. This is my purpose to help this world that's in overwhelm and stress and anxiety learn how to get out. And the reality is, it's a step in the direction of you, it's not this outward bound journey. It's like one of my favorite books of all time, The Alchemist. I don't know if you've read that book, Richard, but not that sure. book is so powerful. Paulo Coelho wrote that book. It's the fifth most published book in the world. It's been translated to 69 languages. And it's a short little book about this journey and the step towards you, not this outward bound journey, but trusting this powerful present moment awareness mm-hmm. and your ability and your intuition
0: and your gut to change your
1: life and the life of others.
0: Incredible. Billy Mandarino is my guest. We will be linked to his website, which is BillyMandarino.com, and I'll spell that for you folks, B-I-L-L-Y-M-A-N-D-A-R-I-N-O.com. We hope that you will go there as well as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, Billy, I I, I do want to dive into this experience that you referred to earlier that you have had, this near-death or out-of-body experience, near-death experience. Um, But I I, I want to touch on one other thing regarding the intuition. Uh, And um, the one thing that that comes to mind is that the intuition and that information, shall we say, whether it actually be information, guidance, maybe it's inspiration, maybe it's encouragement. Hey, you're doing okay. Just keep going forward, that kind of stuff. That is is only in the now it's not in the past nor is it in the future it is so when you're hearing that voice you're in the now
1: that's it there is no time there's no time it's a man-made construct of course our uncle einstein and all his brilliance <laughs> probably probably one of the most brilliant minds to ever walk the blue marble i mean he tells us he figured it out a time is an illusion why are we spending all this time in illusion that's so crazy that people get caught up in that I've just found it to be so uncomfortable. Physical time, chronological time, I find it to be so uncomfortable that I've conditioned myself because you've heard it said before, Richard, 96% of everything you do is done with your subconscious mind. Hmm. What if you could program your mind to live in the present moment, to be a nowist as someone that lives in that ratio of 90% in present moment awareness, 10% in worldly duties and things to do and getting, allowing yourself to kind of get in that river of time, but then to come right back because you realize that it doesn't serve you. I mean, you can learn to live that way as a nowist, you invert that that ratio and 96% of what you're doing comes from present moment awareness, Mm -hmm. your actions, your thoughts, your, your interaction with people, your service and kindness to people. You come from that place of how can I do this service or this action or this work in present moment awareness. And when that becomes your way of life, look out because the things you place your attention on will manifest. These spiritual breadcrumbs or synchronicities will start showing up in your life and you will be guided because the I am that I am is the I am that you are. And when you live in that and you realize there's this oneness between me and the other person, you know, the the boss or the problems that are happening or the, the divorce or the upset financially, emotionally, physically you'll realize that this, this power resides only here. When you yeah. get that, when you really get it, you'll never go back to the physical world. Yeah. You'll never go back to living in, in linear time because yeah. you realize there's nothing there for you. You can't serve. I believe we're all here, Richard, as you are, to serve. Mm-hmm. How can we enjoy this physical experience we're having and come from a place of how can I serve, not what's in it for me? Your life will just continually become this unfolding, beautiful you know, symphony of experiences.
0: It's one of the reasons why I've never taken the perspective of those who others observed were taking advantage of me as doing such because I'm here to serve. But the other aspect of it, too, is, and I had this, this experience, one of my general managers lived by the, the law of diminishing returns, uh, defined <laughs> as don't put out more than you expect to get back. I, couldn't, I just couldn't live like that. We had one experience like that. Um, where uh, we had a programmer, he bought some time, Uh, had a 30-minute show. He had, oh, he had boxes full of these five-inch reels of tape, and he wanted to combine them together to make programs. So I started working with this tape, and it squeaked as it went through the guides. I'm going, what the heck? And I found out it's because, well, uh, he hadn't stored them quite as well as he should have, so the oil that they use, very light oil, Uh, had basically dried out. So I did some research, found a way to keep it from squeaking. I was able to transfer the audio to cassette, make the programs for the radio broadcast. And I went through all of the tapes and I finished the project. Six weeks after he had signed his contract, he canceled. Okay. And now he had programming probably for a year or two. And My boss certainly would have thought if if we had known that he was going to cancel in six weeks we probably wouldn't have done the project. And I'm sitting here thinking, well now wait a minute, what if you think of it from the other perspective? All right, let's say we had known. Why wouldn't we have done this project for him? Because when he leaves, guess what? He's got a great taste in his mouth of this radio station and its personnel that are willing to go out of their way. To provide a service that no one else has been able to do. And he will spread the word far and wide about what a great station and great people that, that, they, that we've got there. And I will tell you that as I was doing that project, as I was physically working on that project, there was no time. And this leads into another area regarding time or the lack the the, 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 the cons human construct of it the term that's used, especially in sports, I was in the zone. Uh, mm-hmm. th- th- you know, it was like, my God, it's been three hours, you know, and then I've, I've, I've got a smaller pile here and a big pile over here that is, is completed. Wow. I did that in three hours. Wow. That to me is one of the best definitions or examples. Of timelessness and being in the now.
1: You can get there anytime you practice yourself into presence. And it, the flow state, and it's, there's been a lot of books written about the flow state. Athletes get into it. Musicians get into it. I mean, everybody can get in the flow state. It's not hard to get there. It's just the problem is people let their thinking mind take them out of the flow state. But when you are literally like you were immersed, when I'm in the studio working on music, when I'm writing a song, I'm the same way. I'm in timelessness. I'm literally in that creative energy, which has no beginning and end. It's just pure inspiration and inspiration I mean I I used to be motivated right I used to have this motivation this great ambition to be a a rock star to be all these things when I was younger in my early 20s but I realized that you know that shifted when I found out that no inspiration is the power motivation is hey I got this idea this big goal I want to make and when I get that I'm going to be happy but the problem is it's fleeting because you're just on to the next but inspiration is timeless. I, I live in that timeless inspiration because there's no way I can lose. There's no there's no getting there. You're just being done. Mm-hmm. You're not doing anything. You're just being done. That's a very Taoist concept. But when you learn to live that place, you can access the flow state consistently. Like when I wrote The Taoist, when The Taoist happened, there was no motivation. I didn't go to college, Richard. I don't have a degree in anything but my life's results. And I was just literally called by God. I downloaded this information. I sat at my kitchen table for nine months straight, four and a half hours. I would just sit there and write. And I would wake up in the morning at like four o'clock in the morning, not even knowing what woke me up. But inspiration took me where I needed to go. There was no motivation. That's the flow state. You can activate it, but you cannot try to do things. You have to allow yourself to be done. And there's the rub because most of us like we're all ambitious. We want to get stuff done. We got to compete with the Joneses right? We're comparing ourselves to everybody. It's so fleeting. You need to flip that. Don't find motivation in anything. Find inspiration in everything. Yeah.
0: This is a a fascinating conversation we're having with... Uh, Billy Mandarino. He is the nowest. BillyMandarino.com is the website, and we will be linked to it here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and Billy Mandarino is with us. BillyMandarino.com is the website. We hope that you'll go there. Billy, um, we've got plenty of time for this. I would like for you to share with us your near-death experience. Uh, obviously, in the material world, we like to have just a few details depending upon how much you'd like to share. But I am more interested, as I always have been for years, in what happens to a person after. I mean, I, I actually went through this with my sister when she passed. I'm going, I wonder what she's experienced. What is she doing now? Where Where is she? Now, I will tell you, I could hear her after uh-huh. her passing. But... I still, I'm curious, and I did go through a life between lives, hypnosis. Uh, We have a practitioner here in Santa Barbara. Oh, my God, it was so fascinating. I actually kind of miss the life before this one. But tell us, what did you experience on the inside from the experience you had on the outside that took you there?
1: Wow. Okay, so I'll try and be brief because this story... Can take some time, but I want to be succinct and I want to make sure that your listeners and viewers can feel where this came from. Because for me, I'm ai have been very blessed to be a healthy specimen physically. I don't get sick prior to getting this illness. I had not had a flu or a cold in a decade. I just live very healthy. When you live as a nowist, you don't have you have physical immunity, you also have spiritual immunity. Mm-hmm. And that was how I was living. But between you and me, this thing called COVID, I believe to be a biological man-made weapon. I don't believe it exists in nature. And so my wife turned 50 a couple of years ago, three, three years ago. And we were going to have her big 50th birthday party. But a few years ago, remember, we were all in lockdown. You couldn't go anywhere. There was no events. There was no parties or no restaurants. I thought, oh my gosh, it's her 50th birthday. And my wife's birthday is New Year's Eve. It's always a party. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to let her miss her 50th birthday. So Miami, Florida was not locked down. So we flew to Miami. Uh, this wonderful uh, event was happening at the beach with, uh, what was his name? Um was it? Uh, Nelly? Nelly, the singer Nelly, mm-hmm. was having this beach party. I thought she loves dance music. You're socially distanced. You're away from everybody. Everybody had to be 20 feet and there was no dance floor. I thought, perfect. Our, we had a few friends that lived there. So I got a table, we flew to Miami, we stayed at this beautiful resort, and I thought, okay, we're on the beach, we're safe. And so we get there, and about three hours before the show, they set this huge grandstand up with this massive speakers. And I thought, oh, this is gonna be awesome, right on the beach. They said, Oh, it's too windy, we got to move it inside. Well, nobody was inside at this time because of obviously the super spreader events. They were calling them back then. There's a super spreader events, people are just around each other, everybody's getting sick. And it's this huge ballroom, like 30,000 square foot ballroom. I thought, oh, you know what? They're moving it inside. They gave you the option to cancel or to go. I said, no, we're going to do it. We're going to go. We had this table of six people. We're going to stay away from everybody. We're going to wear our masks. We're not going to dance. So we had this incredible New Year's Eve birthday party. We celebrated my wife's 50th. It was awesome. We had a great time. We flew back like January 2nd or 3rd, I think it was. And a day later, she and I came down with COVID. Mm. And then we gave it to our daughter. So our whole little house here was just like COVID Alley. And so they healed up in maybe a day or two. They were fine. But for me, who would never been sick before, I was in this bed for 10 days solid with 102 fever. Ooh. This thing was just taking me out. And I thought, wow, I, everything, every spiritual concept, meditation, breath work, eating all kinds of healthy vegetables and supplements and trying to shake this thing, I could not beat it. And the doctor said, hey, He's 10 days, he's got this terrible cough. If he doesn't break this fever, we're gonna take him to the hospital. He's getting what's called COVID lung. Started getting to my, you know, my immune system couldn't fight it. My lungs are starting to fill up with fluid. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. Because the the number three cause of death is hospitalization. Heart disease is number one, cancer is number two, hospitalization is the number three. And I knew that because when I was giving my talks out in the world, it was like, that was one of my stats that I would talk from. I said, okay, I'm not going to the hospital. I had not told any of my family members that I was sick because my dad, God bless him, in 79, had open heart surgery. And we were all praying for him. I didn't want the prayers to be spent on me. I wanted to keep the family, six brothers and sisters. We have a huge family, extended family. We were all praying for my dad. But I realized, okay, I need to call in the big guns. It's 10 days. I do not want to go into the hospital. I need to get beyond myself. And that was one of the first lessons I got from this This kind of paralyzing and traumatic event I was going through, that I can't do it alone. It takes a village. You've heard that many times. Mm -hmm. But when you have the collective energy of prayer, prayer, it creates miracles. So honest to God, that night, my wife called and told my family what was going on. Everybody gave me the deepest prayers they could that evening. And the next morning, I broke my fever from 102. It went down to like 99.9. Then it slowly got better. And then I healed up. I didn't. I never went to the hospital. Mm-hmm. I spent about 12 days in this room, quarantining for my wife and daughter who had finally kicked it. And I just stayed in here and I read and wrote and played music and wrote songs and just tried to quarantine and heal up. Mm. So when I finished this illness, I felt like I do now. And I love to golf. So I said, I'm going golfing. <laughs> I went outside, which golf became this huge COVID sport because it's outside, you're socially distanced from people. So I go golfing, I carry my 25 pound back of clubs. <laughs> Penholes, holes. I felt great. I played good. And I, I felt great. So I go to bed that night. The next morning I wake up and I'm numb head to foot. I can't feel my face, my hands, my feet. Two days after that, I lost the ability to walk. My wife and daughter had to carry me down the stairs, put me in a car and take me to the cottage hospital. Mm-hmm. They wheeled me in with a wheelchair. And it was the hardest goodbye I'd ever had in my life. Because if you remember back then, you, know, you couldn't have visitors. Mm-mm. And I am paralyzed. The doctors don't know what's wrong with me. And my wife and daughter, I have to say goodbye to them. I thought, oh, my God, I don't know when I'm coming back out or if I'm coming back out. And was this really tearful, emotional scene. Never forget it. It hits me right now. I've been thinking about it. But as they wheel me in, the doctor says, OK, we do not have a clue what's wrong with you. I have no medical history of anything. My chart is clear. I'm 52, 53 at the time. And I... <laughs> I'm a little claustrophobic. I've always been a little claustrophobic. And you'd spoke earlier about your past lives. I think in my past life, I had some traumatic... I don't know if I died in a cave or something or suffocation. But I've always had this weird fear over claustrophobia. And I've done a lot of work on it. It's not as bad as it used to be. Mm-hmm. But they put me in the MRI tube, Richard, for four and a half hours. Oh. They couldn't knock me out. They couldn't do anything. I said, you got to knock me out. I can't do it. Even though I couldn't move, I said, I'm still conscious and this this is might be too much for me four and a half hours in an MRI tube I called it my COVID cocoon I literally was in this tube Mm -hmm. I chanted sang prayed I did the nowest meditation like I was just some psycho I allowed myself to go quantum remember when I said trust your gut get up there GUT I was living in that quantum realm I was three miles above the earth I was just, I never allowed my physical body to experience what it felt like to be in that. I never opened my eyes for four and a half hours. I just imagined myself. up. I lived in this quantum realm, that earth, or that that blue line I was seeing, I was singing and chanting and experiencing. My imagination was the greatest gift because that's the only thing that saved my, my experience that day. I didn't want to push that red button because also I didn't know what was wrong with me. And it takes four and a half hours if anybody ever wants to know. To get every image of the physical body, four and a half hours, and they couldn't stop. So I get pulled out, and the guy says, well, everything looks normal. You just have a little arthritis in your lower back, probably from golfing so much and carrying my 25-pound clubs. So then they spinal tap me, and they find out that I have this incredibly rare syndrome that no one in Santa Barbara County had contracted from COVID. I got Guillain-Barre syndrome from COVID. And if you don't know what Guillain-Barre syndrome is, it's when you have like the insulation around your nerve. So imagine an extension cord and you got that insulation so electricity doesn't shock you every time you grab it. But imagine if piranhas ate little holes out of that cord, all the electricity would be going out the holes. And that's what happened. My immune system after healing COVID had this weird anomaly They can't figure out what caused it, but it attacked my nerve endings and it paralyzed me. And so I had to be in this hospital bed they finally said, okay, on the second day, they figured out they had this immunoglobulin uh, A treatment they're gonna give me. Immuno A or G, I forget. It. It's a, basically, it takes a thousand blood donors to spin out one vial of this stuff. Oh, it's wow. $5,000 a vial. I had eight vials over two days. And they said, this should interrupt your immune system from eating itself. And then your myelin, which is like your fingernails, has to repair so you can get your energy and you get your, your walking and your ability to move your motor, your motor skills again. So I laid in that bed and the first day I was scared shitless. I'll tell you, I was totally I mean, I had been studying and practicing, but I didn't know if I was going to walk out of there again, see my wife, my daughter again. Three months later, I've been been planning my first nowest experience live event. Took me a whole year to plan it. My bandmate and I, Kirsten, had written an entire record around this. This was like the biggest thing of my life at the time. And I'm in a hospital bed, paralyzed. So the second day, that morning I woke up and I realized, okay, I'm not the victim here. I'm going to make this my spiritual practice. Even though I couldn't move, I'm laying in a bed in the Ridley Tree Ward of the Cottage Hospital with 90 other COVID patients in there. And I just said, I'm going to make this my spiritual practice. And I am going to use my energy that I have, my inspiration that I have, even though I want to heal myself, I'm going to help other people from this paralyzed state. So every nurse that came in, doctor, you know, speech therapist, because I was I was losing the ability to swallow because Yamre patients sometimes die from suffocation because you have no diaphragmatic muscles to breathe with and you suffocate. And I could feel that it was starting to happen to me, even though I was totally terrified. I realized, no, this is a counterintuitive experience. I'm going to use my energy and my heart and my compassion and the gifts I've been given uh, of my teaching. Of how to get out of stress and overwhelm i'm going to use it on other people and i'm going to get better i'm going to ask everybody how i can serve them while they're serving me and so that was my mission so i spent 21 nights in the hospital never saw my wife and daughter once and i just use all my energy to get better but it's counterintuitive i got better because i was serving other people i'd ask them about their relationship problems their financial problems you know their health problems their, their, you know their, everything was going on in their life i just how can i serve you not what's in it for me. Mm. And I got better. And 21 days later, I walked out of there with a cane. Two weeks after that, I was golfing again. And the doctors say it was a miracle. They said in about a year, you should get back to your normal life. You're still gonna have numbness. You're still gonna have weakness. I had what's called long hauler syndrome. The worst thing you can get in long haulers is this or death. I mean, there's just, it's right on the edge. And I just had this experience and what took me out of the stress, the worry, the fear I never allowed my imagination to focus on what I did not want. Mm -hmm. I kept seeing myself with my wonderful human imagination connected with all five of my senses on that stage, performing those songs, teaching for two days. This now is this first now is live that I was having. I saw myself there. I tasted the water. I felt the hot lights. I felt the hugs I was giving people. I imagine myself on Pebble Beach playing golf, looking at the grass, looking at the beautiful bay feeling what it felt like to hit the shots. I never allowed myself to not live in that end. Mm. I focused on the end, not about the end. I was living from the end because in that paralyzed moment, I just allowed myself to experience everything that I really wanted to manifest in my life. And I contemplated myself constantly surrounded by the conditions I wanted to manifest. Mm. I never slipped in 21 days. And I had this miraculous recovery thanks to the incredible doctors and nurses, the physical therapists, the neurologists, the uh, internal medicine doctors at at Cottage Hospital, 50% was them, but the other 50% was this subjective, spiritual attention that I allowed myself to live in, and I had this miraculous recovery. And and what's happening for me is, I call it my COVID cocoon, because I was living in this rigor mortis state, then this, you know, the, the monarch butterfly, right, emerges from this cocoon after it's looked like it's dead but it becomes this version of its highest self. And I believe I call this my COVID cocoon because that's what it became for me, one of my greatest spiritual experiences ever. But it was a spiritual practice that taught me how to to be of service to others and not focus on me as the victim, and then I got better.
0: Hmm. Well, I can tell you that, that when we take the focus off of self, and this is not to the exclusion of self, one of, the, one of the universal laws uh, that I have discovered is that there is always an exchange. You cannot fight it. There has to be a giver and a receiver. But as you have explained it, you were giving. You were giving. Not necessarily with the expectation of receiving, but just you were just giving. And the universe gave back. You were able to receive. And to me, that's one of those things that... uh, It's like with with my philosophy in in, in this work that I do. Uh, If I were doing a project with you, uh, I'm not doing it for me to be successful. I want you to be successful. And in turn, that will make me successful. But not until... I help you to do that. And that's, and that's been my philosophy. And, and, and I've even taken on projects that someone would say, Oh, Richard, you're undercharging yourself. Well, I would rather do the project for the smaller or the lesser amount than not do the project at all because they can't afford my rate.
1: You know, it's a, it's a technology and Jesus taught us exactly this technology yeah. of abundance. He says, give, and it will be given you good measure. Shaken together, pressed down, will be returned to your lap. For the measure that you give, it will yeah. be measured back to you. Yeah. So Jesus teaches that. And that's a technology for abundance, isn't it? Yep. I mean, if you're ever lacking in your life, follow that. Go and I forget which passage is Luke or Matthew, but find that scripture, read that scripture, prepare it for memory, mm-hmm. get it into yourselves and live that way. You'll never be scarce in your life. Again, mm-hmm. you'll only be abundance because that's when you come from that place, the law of attraction activates, and that's why Jesus knows. And he says, yeah. this is how you should live.
0: Always give,
1: just give, give, give.
0: Also, the passage in the in the Gospels talking where Jesus is is trying to calm the fears of his disciples over, um, you know, what they're going to eat and uh, where they're going to sleep, what they're going to wear and so forth. Just, look, "Look, Look up there. Look up in the trees. See the bird up there? That bird does not work that bird is not a part of the human economic uh, system okay and yet look there it is it's, it's caring for the, the the bird is caring for its young is flying around singing having a grand time and yet guess what it's taken care of how much more will the universe care for you so oh my god
1: the one that, one that I love, I think is in Luke, it says, No man setting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. Now, what does that have to do with the now? Jesus obviously was the first nowist, probably ever. <laughs> right? Yeah. He, he Don't look, you know, and no, take no thought, thought, thought for the morrow, for the morrow will take care of itself. I mean, he's constantly telling you, be in the present moment. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. am in the present moment. God is in the present moment, and yeah. you are part of God. You have that spark of God in you. Yeah. So take that spark and ignite it and be the light of the world as I am the light of the world. Because he says also, I am the light of the world. Jesus on another passage says, You are the light of the world. It's, yeah. a yeah. it's a clue. It's a, it's a clever clue, so pay attention.
0: Exactly, exactly. I would have to say that uh, uh, in, in many of the ancient wisdom teachings, but it, uh, as we've been alluding to, the Bible in particular, uh, there are a lot of, and I'm using a modern terminology here, there are a lot of Easter eggs in there. But you got to look for them. You've got to be open to them or you'll miss them. Because that was one you mentioned earlier about the I am I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am. And that's like, oh, that makes even more sense now than ever that's before. It. And then, of course, there's the other element. I'm not following a personality. I'm following the I am. The I am that's mentioned in the Old Testament. You know? Uh, it's it's extraordinary. We are talking with Billy uh, Mandarino. BillyMandarino.com Billy is the uh, website and the nowest. I have my copy. Do you have yours? I'm sure you can get it through uh, his website or at Amazon or any other location. Or as he has already mentioned, the Audible version. How exciting would that be for him to read that to you? Um, maybe at bedtime, uh, read a chapter, what have you. Stay tuned. Oh, this is Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and Billy, uh, one final question I want to ask you: You are in your fifties, right? Fifty-five, then May, yes. And yet, you still hold to Billy, as opposed to William or Bill. Uh, any particular reason?
1: I'm glad you asked that question because you know my father, my pa. I was named after. I'm his first boy. My brother Gib is a year and a half younger than I am, but I was his first boy. He named after himself, and I'm William. Mandarino. My father is William Mandarino. I'm not a second. I wish I had the same name as my dad. His middle name is Lath. Is uh, that a cool name? My middle name yeah. is Anthony. So, but I'm not a junior, but I consider myself a junior because my father is the rock. He's the paw. He's my, he's the cowboy. He lives up in Hay, Washington on this ranch, with this oh. beautiful, this beautiful lady. My, we call her bonus mom. And <laughs> it's just this incredible experience. But when I was in high school, I went by bill. My dad's goes by will. And, you know, I went by Bill. But when I graduated from high school, I changed my name to Billy. Because, you know, as Rumi says, sell your cleverness, you know, and purchase bewilderment. I live in childlike bewilderment. I've done this my whole life. You know, my one of my best friends in the world, he and I created this thing called Serial Parties. We were in high school. So everybody else was getting drunk and going to these Red <laughs> Cup parties. And we said, you know what, let's have a cereal <laughs> party. We called it a CP. We had a sign for it, CP. <laughs> and we just lived. And we, and we had these people come over all these athletes and all these just jocks and nerds and geeks who everyone hang out at his mom's house and we would crank up the music and get uh, get a sugar high yeah. you know we were just instead of getting buzzed on coke or <laughs> pot or whatever drinking we were just on lucky charms and you know fruit loops and Cocoa puffs and we just had this little thing happen in our school where it became this underground cereal party thing mm-hmm. and to this day my wife is a high school teacher it lives on we do cps all the time Oh, so living as Billy felt more natural to me. Because even then in high school, when I didn't even know the things that I've studied and practiced and live now, mm-hmm. intuitively, I was trusting there's a something, this higher self, right? This I am presence in me was hearkening, was trying to get my attention. Don't don't live in this physical world and be so serious. You're not a Bill. You're a Billy. You're a kid. Mm-hmm. Never grow up. That's the key. Never grow up. Live in that childlike bewilderment always and find mm-hmm. ways to do that.
0: You know, it's interesting because my father... Uh, Probably both my mother and father named me. And my father's name is Leslie Richard. My name is Richard Les. I always love to joke with people say, yeah, it's a math equation. Richard Les Dugan is just Richard. (laughs) It's Uh, quantum. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very interesting um, how we, as a matter of fact, there was a period of time with my second wife that I'm still with and, and hope to be with until I depart. Um, I took on because my metaphysical primer is autobiography of a yogi. And in it there's a story, there's a, the, t- the story of the Tiger Swami. And the Tiger Swami took on a challenge to go up against a tiger, a Bengal tiger by the name of Raja Begum, and translated that is Prince Princess, hmm. and it just rang to me. So, I started to refer to myself as Raja. And it, you know, and it dropped off a f- you know a few years later. But um, that's something that I still remember, and I'm thinking, boy, that would be. Interesting to go back to that, you know, Reverend Dr. Raja.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love that book. I've read it many times. If you haven't read Autobiography Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, oh my gosh, read that one. That book is
0: incredible. Get it on Audible, whether Ben Kingsley reads it. I read it back when I was 17, but back then I was listening to talking books and recordings for the blind long before Audible was Audible. And um, the author who read it, it was actually recorded in the recording, uh, in the studios of uh, the Recording House for the Blind in New York in 1972. Really? I have that recording on my phone from the cassettes oh that I used to listen to. But when I first listened to it, it was on vinyl and the vinyl was 90 minutes long, 45 minutes aside. This turntable oh. spun at one and seven eighths revolutions, okay, per minute. So uh, it was slow. But that's when I, that's how I first listened to uh, this book over, and I've listened to it over and over again. I put my earbuds in, uh, oh, or I actually cute. only go with one earbud. I always keep this ear open because I need to be aware of what's going on around me. Mark. And I will listen to that, and I remember the stories. I still remember uh, numerous different tales of uh, the um, the challenge that uh, uh, his brother put to him uh, about whether or not he really trusted God. And he said, "And if you can come back from <clears throat> uh, Brindaban um, uh, without uh, any more any money or what have you, and you're doing well and everything, I will become uh, a devotee." And of course he did, because Parmahansa and his friend Jatindra, who was the doubting Thomas of the uh, of the tree of the duo, sure sure I thought sure it was, was so funny too. Because as soon as they were fed and they walked out onto the street to continue their journey, he became he became worried once again about where their next meal was coming from. And it's like, are you kidding? Are you not seeing what is happening? You know. What sure
1: about wh- Sri Remember his his teacher, Sri Yukteswar. Sri Yukteswar, yes. And, Lahiri Mahasha and those credible stories of those masters, oh, oh, yeah. how they materialize and dematerialize and bilocate. Yes. Crazy paranormal things that people don't think are true, but they actually happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love the story, the, the story of the kite, uh, the kite story, where his sister comes up on the balcony and everything, and uh, the kite... Uh, the kite gets cut because they put glass on the string, and it's a competition. And if you're Frank. able to cut your competitor's uh, string with the glass on your uh, uh, kite, uh, then you sort of you, you win. And, uh, of course, uh, the kite gets away because the string gets cut. And, uh, oh, it's gone. Oh, ye of little faith. And the next thing you know, the uh, kite gets stuck in a tree. The string gets caught in a tree, and he's able to retrieve the kite. Uh, yeah, I, just uh, extraordinary things. Uh, he did have one situation with his sister where he uh, he said that she would have this boil and and it, it it did manifest and he was then I think it was by his mother he was um, I don't know if you wanna say chastised per se but it was like he was warned to use your so to speak your powers for good kind of thing uh, and that to me is very important Before we wrap things up, I want to ask you about that concept in this phrase. Words have power.
1: Well, you said it earlier, and I love it. It's in my book as well. Feeling good and feeling God are the same thing. Feeling good and feeling God are the same. So if you're feeling good, you're in the energy of God. And when you realize that you are the I am that I am, you are the I am presence and it never leaves you, you leave it. I mean, it's the problem is that we get our focus on this. Once again, the past future, we think about our childhood, our traumatic events that are still showing up in this current time that we live in. And you're worrying about the future and the the future becomes your past because you spend your energy on it. I mean, feeling good and feeling God, how often do you find yourself in gratitude, deep gratitude for the fact that we live in this, we have these first world problems, right? We have so much abundance in our life. We have someone that spends $200 million to entertain us on a movie that we could have spent 15 bucks to watch. And we have enough food to eat enough, you know, water, thank God. We have so much to be grateful. For. And they say that gratitude is the best multiplier. So when you realize that you have the I am presence in you and you can find the the gratitude in the smallest things, and then when you feel grateful, you just learn to pay it forward. It's a technology. You just learn that words have power, but make sure you tell yourself the words that support you and know that it all starts with the I am. Be really careful how you use your I ams. Like Dr. Imoto taught us, like the, the words have an actual frequency and an energy. So mm-hmm. feeling good and feeling God. I mean, funny things like this, like what is dog spelled backwards? God, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the unconditional love that the pets show us, the dog specifically shows us. I believe there's a clue there There's like, no, there's this unconditional love. Be like that for other people. Be like that for your family members. Instead of being, you know, quick tempered or, or taking this emotional response to somebody, find out how to be compassionate, give them the benefit of the doubt, live this way as a way of life. And that's ultimately what a nowist is anyway, Richard, It's just living in service, living in present moment awareness and finding how can I be a better version of myself in that I am presence in this moment, not in your past and future conditioning, but in this now moment, that's where your power resides. Find the joy in that. Mm.
0: The Nowist billymandarino.com the website billymandarino.com will be linked to that website so that you can find out more about The Nowist right now go there please pick up a copy of the book The Nowist and we certainly hope that uh, you will start living in this very moment that we are in right now uh, and uh it's, it's going to be an exciting journey as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host here on Tell Me Your Story. And Billy, Billy Mandarino, it's been a, a great, great pleasure to have this conversation with you. And I hope that we can do this again because... It needs to be shared over and over again, kind of like uh, Groundhog Day. As we are conversing, it just happens to be Groundhog Day, but it also yes. happens to be my wife's birthday. So happy birthday, Amrita! Um, and uh, it's 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 going to be a it's going to be a great day. I don't know whether uh, Fria Freddie, that is Arizona's version of Punk's Tony Phil, or Punk's Tony Phil did or didn't see his shadow. And you know what? Don't care. You know, the weather is going to be what the weather is going to be, whether Punxsutawney tells us what it's going to be or not. Uh, You know, and I I consider weather to be more of an art than a science. And that's just fine. But, Billy, I uh, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you, Richard. What an honor, brother, to share this time, this uh, illusion of time with you, this moment (laughs) with you, this current moment. I pray that your listeners and viewers Take on the, the concept of the Groundhog's Day and let every day be this moment. Let every right. day be this now moment because yeah. you keep coming back to it. It's this illusion of time. Don't live in it. Mm-hmm. Find this present moment and let it be your new way of living And mm-hmm. And then just find that energy and pay it forward to somebody. I just thank you so much for your wonderful show. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love your heart. I love what you're about. And I'm just blessed and feel very grateful, man.
0: Well, I have three final questions that I ask all of my guests uh, that we have been doing for the last 15 years and it's real exciting to, uh, uh, to to bring those questions forward. However, I'm going to thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story before I ask those of Billy. Uh, thank you for watching and listening to New Paradigms for a New World. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We're here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., 9 a.m. on Wednesdays for a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We uh, stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. We also podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeart Radio, Amazon Music, and many other locations across uh, the width and breadth of the Internet. I don't know where it begins or ends. And once again... I don't care. Also, we're on YouTube, where you can watch you can watch these interviews. We hope you'll subscribe and get notified when a new interview is posted, uh, and share it. Share it. I am, I am. I just crossed over the century mark with 101 subscribers on YouTube, and 92,500 plus listens in the since 2018, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know, honestly, what those numbers really mean. Other than to me, it means people are listening and watching, and I'm grateful for that. Very grateful. I also ask that you participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s, and uh, go within. Listen to that still, small voice, and if you're going to listen, please follow the promptings. I guarantee you, the still, small voice will never Put you in harm's way, but it will challenge you from time 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 to time, because it has challenged me, and I'm grateful for that challenge. And we also ask that if you are able to take on another challenge of supporting this program financially, we would greatly appreciate that. We have a PayPal account; it is there for your security as well as ours. There is a link on the homepage at RichardDugan.com to our PayPal account as well. With all of that being said want to ask uh, the three final questions of our guest, the Nowist. Number one, who is Billy Mandarino?
1: Well I read a wonderful book called The Course in Miracles mm. and in it they have this very profound sentence and it says, I just want to learn to think like God thinks. So I am, I am, <laughs> a being in this meat suit, in this physical moment right now wanting to learn to think like God thinks. So I am the mind and the feelings and the thoughts of God.
0: What is your life's purpose?
1: To be a Nowist, to serve people, present moment awareness, and to do my part
0: in this parentheses and eternity as it's been said. I hope you get the movie reference to this third and final question. What Was your best day? Ooh.
1: The day my daughter was born.
0: Mm. Well, Bailey, thank you again for joining us here on the program. And we will continue to be in the now moment, or from my reference point uh, on the recording line, the center line. And uh, just live in that position just kind of gazing over the past, gazing over what the future might hold and maintaining that optimism uh, that I know that we both share.
1: Richard, you're a light brother. I'm so grateful and I send nothing but uh, love and gratitude to you today.
0: Thank you very much. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol, And Jeanette, I am still listening.